Can sneakers be a symbol for more than just fashion? We'll discuss this week on Fire Footwear. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Fire Footwear. As always, I am your host, Matt Freights, or Matty Ice in the podcasting world. I want to thank you for tuning in. I hope that this finds you well, and I hope that you are excited to talk about a lot of sneaker content this week. Last week, I went through some sneaker silhouettes that have been forgotten for far too long. In the long history of sneakers, the number of shoes that probably we've forgotten about is much more than the ones that we currently obsess over today, and I think that that is true. Sneakers are a wonderful part of our culture, but if you really think about it, they pale in comparison to the ills that plague our society. Even just last week, when you think about the Buffalo Bills player collapsing on the field, Monday Night Football is an American institution. People want that. There is a lot of people who salivate over football, and it is a wonderful thing. It's nice to have something to enjoy. It's nice to have something that can escape you from the ills of life. But when a player collapses and dies on the field and has to be resuscitated, That's more than the game. Human life means more than the game of football. And really, sneakers are kind of like that. They're very much a nice-to-have item. But their use as a blank artistic canvas can be used to tell stories and push agendas, both good and bad. It got me to thinking recently about the places that sneakers have in terms of social justice. And over the course of history, how sneakers have evolved as a symbol for things both good and bad. When you go back to the early days of sneakers, the first sneakers that were ever created, they've always had some connotation or connection with class warfare since they debuted. The early 19th century sneakers, in quotes as they were called, they were named due to a bad thing. They were named because of their connection with thievery. The soft sound that they make during footfalls basically made it so that you could sneak around. It made them ideal for people like pranksters, muggers, and burglars. Most people don't think those are good things. Most people don't strive to be those things. And that's why they were called sneakers, because these people would wear them and be able to sneak around and essentially commit crimes on people without being noticed. Because the shoes back then in the 19th century were mostly made of materials that made a lot of noise. They were boots. They were things like that. And if you fast forward to post-World War I, all of that time period brought a new interest to sneakers for a reason that I don't think people would even think. The government actually was telling a lot of people, hey, you need to go out and exercise. Now, that's a message that we hear a lot today, and it's something that should be on our minds. We always want to take care of ourselves. We always want to make sure that we can live as long of a life as possible. But this, after World War I, we were feeling the high of coming out on top in World War I. We wanted to prepare for the next war, and the government was telling us to exercise. And so sneakers became part of that because obviously at that time, sneakers were a practical object. People had them to work out. And so this was basically sneakers becoming steeped in fear-based nationalism. We see a lot of that kind of stuff today in the news. If you turn on CNN or Fox News, they're all trying to make you afraid of something. And that's my way of saying I'm not Republican or Democrat, but what I see is a lot of fear mongering. And sneakers through this after World War One became part of that. We've been doing that in this country for a really long time. So I don't know if you even would think of sneakers being a part of that. Fast forward to 1936. You're talking about Nazi Germany. You're talking about right before World War II. This is probably the most prominent war in the history of the world, I would say. Adolf Hitler, probably one of the most notorious people to ever walk this earth. The 1936 Olympics were in Berlin. They were hosted by Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany. Jesse Owens went over there, one of our best athletes here in America, and he owned track and field in front of Adolf Hitler. 
and he did it in shoes that were designed by Adi Dossler. Adi Dossler is a name that you should know. In one of the first episodes of this show, I did a brief history of Adidas, and Adi Dossler is the creator of Adidas. At this time, though, in 1936, he wasn't the creator of Adidas. He was just a shoemaker, and his shoes were on Jesse Owens' feet as he was owning all of the Olympics back then. A black athlete in Nazi Germany being the best athlete on the field with a German-made shoe, 100%. Sneakers were a part of this moment in history. And that's something that I don't think people realize. Adi Dossler was German. So clearly a German product defeating German athletes by a black man. And we obviously know what Adolf Hitler was all about. Adolf Hitler probably didn't like black people. He certainly didn't like Jewish people. And so this was probably a moment with shoes on his feet that were made by a German craftsman that sent Adolf Hitler to the moon. Come into the 1950s now. Now we know the 1950s were known for a lot of things. It was seen as the heyday for a lot of people. I know that sometimes my dad will talk about that, the greatest generation and all that stuff. Here in the States though, the 1950s, when it comes down to teenagers, saw the dawn of sneakers being associated with both television stars because the late 1950s, the advent of TV, we saw more and more people having TVs in their homes and now teenagers. Class warfare was something that definitely happened and we saw in the 1950s. We saw the battle of squares and greasers. Now the squares were the people that dressed a certain way, they never broke the rules, they always did what they were told, and the greasers were those people that wore their hair slicked back and they had the black leather jackets. And ironically, they wore Chuck Taylors. Chuck Taylors were actually almost advertised as being for the greasers. They tailored their advertising to make sneakers associated with something that was happening in society, a cultural phenomenon. It's amazing, isn't it? Class warfare has always existed in this country. And if you move into the 1960s, class warfare turned to racial tensions. At the time, a show called I Spy was on television and the lead actor in that show was Bill Cosby. We all know Bill Cosby from all of his extracurricular activities now for all the things that he's been convicted of. But back then he became the first black man in a lead role on that show. What does that have to do with sneakers? Well, in the show, he wore Adidas every single episode. Adidas was highly recognizable back then because of the three stripes. We don't see as much of the three stripes today because the way that shoes are designed, there's not as much intentional branding on them that way, not like the Nike swoosh. But back in the day, three stripes, you couldn't miss it. 1968 Olympic Games. We talked about Jesse Owens in 1936 with his performance in front of Adolf Hitler. In 1968, the games were in Mexico City and two American sprinters, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, one of whom won a gold medal, the other won a bronze medal, they removed their Puma suede that they had used and mounted the metal podium in their stockings. And this was a symbol. It was meant to symbolize African-American poverty. Their heads were lowered and they raised that famous photo, the black glove fist raised in a black power salute. Probably one of the most iconic photos of all time. Probably one of the most iconic sports moments of all time. And Puma suede were at the forefront of that, but because they were taken off. And you'd think that maybe Puma would have taken a hit, Puma suede's are one of the most iconic shoes and honestly one of the most worn shoes in the entirety of history because you can get them. They're a classic. They're just like a lot of shoes that we know. They're just like New Balance 574s. They're just like Saucony Jazz. There's so many of them that you know and this is one of them. And they were here in a moment that will never be forgotten. 
Pushing to the 1970s, what we saw was that celebrity again was at the forefront of society. And sneakers were now seen as a status symbol because people like Farrah Fawcett were seen working out in sneakers. It was something to be collected. It became something that was not just a practical item. Prior to this era, sneakers were something that you had because you had to have them. Now, sneakers were something that you collect because celebrities wore them. And the other thing that happened here is intentional marketing took place, targeted marketing for women, because women were still seen here as the ones who had fashion. They had a big closet, they had a lot of shoes, and they had to have a lot of shoes for working out. And so now a lot of people had to have a lot of shoes because they wanted to be just like these celebrities. This is really the first glimpse that we see of what sneaker collecting is like today. People who have hundreds and hundreds of pairs, and they're not gonna wear them all. They're to style them. Some of them are to collect them. Some of them, they'll never see the light of day. This was the first whip that we saw that. This was before the Air Jordan. And you know what? The antithesis of the celebrity stuff was young kids of color in underprivileged neighborhoods using sneakers as a symbol of their cultural expression. You gotta remember, white people have been appropriating black culture for decades. And so sneakers became a symbol of taking back that culture. And again, sneakers didn't ask for that, but the cultures have defined this. And this is what I'm saying here, is all through history, all these moments have been defined by the people involved. Sneakers have been a part of it, and I think it's long forgotten. And now you fast forward to 1984, and we know what happened then. Michael Jordan got drafted, the Air Jordan 1 was created, boom, sneaker culture is born, it is what it is, history made, blah, blah, blah. But Air Jordans were expensive back then. They were $65, and Michael Jordan supposedly was asked about this and replied, Republicans buy sneakers too in direct response to being asked about the price of Jordans and how they were pricing out a lot of people like the young kids of color that I mentioned earlier who were using sneakers as a symbol of their cultural expression. What the reporter was asking or what people were asking were Air Jordans pricing out a lot of the neighborhoods that maybe could benefit from having these shoes, that maybe the price of Air Jordan became a haves versus half nots. They became a symbol for class warfare. And it's funny though, because Michael Jordan at the time got a lot of flack for sitting it out. And a lot of athletes have sat out a lot of political agendas. Not everybody is LeBron. Fast forward to the 2000s, the Air Force One had another moment of growth when it was associated with rappers. But even before then, it was associated and became the shoe of drug dealers and drug runners. And why was that? Because these drug dealers and drug runners had so much money, they were making so much money that they were able to afford a lot of shoes. And therefore, it became a status symbol for them to have crisp Air Force Ones and look good all the time. They needed to not only look the part, but they needed to have the part. And Air Force Ones became that symbol. And for a lot of people, you could say that that's a negative connotation. And to me, I don't think so. To me, again, sneakers become assimilated into whatever the culture is that the human beings behind it are perpetrating. And Air Force Ones just happened to be those shoes. And if you go to the 2000s, rappers like Jay-Z and Nelly were actually rapping about Air Force Ones, wearing them all the time. You saw that resurgence of the Air Force One. And that technically was in a good sense because everybody loved those pieces of music. Everybody loves Jay-Z or everybody loved Nelly. And Air Force Ones, everybody was buying them. They became scarce again because now the heightened popularity due to something in popular culture made it so that sneakers were representative of that. And again, these are shoes that are being a part of a movement. They didn't ask to be a part of a movement. The thing is though, sneakers can be used to tell a story as a part of a political movement or make a political statement. We've seen countless Black Lives Matter shoes that have come out. And even in the negative sense, shoes like the Air Max Betsy Ross flag, you remember those from 2019? Those were pulled off the shelves because Colin Kaepernick very 
astutely pointed out the connection that the Betsy Ross flag has to slavery. And maybe your mileage varies on what you feel is a symbol that should be out there or not. There are a lot of people who still think the Confederate flag should be waving on top of the courthouse like as if it's something like the American flag. And then there are people that understand that, you know what, this is a piece of history that maybe we shouldn't be flaunting, maybe we shouldn't be showing it reverence, but remembering it. The thing is, though, the shoes that have been created that have been furthering an agenda, telling a political story, making a political statement, those shoes are very hard to come by. The production doesn't always keep up with the demand. And those shoes that have an emotional attachment to people, whether it's a political movement, whether it's a cultural reference, it doesn't matter. They're not always accessible. Many of the people that feel that emotional connection actually aren't able to get them. And then if they can't get them, where are they going to go to get them? They're going to go to the secondary market. And that's the thing. The secondary market has made it so that the power of sneakers, the story that could be behind sneakers is almost diluted and watered down because the people that should have them don't have the ability to get them. And that leads me to the end here. I was thinking about sneakers coming into this year and sneakers have provided me with the ability to do this show. They have provided me with a lot of joy. I've met a lot of friends in the sneaker space and anybody who's listening that is one of those people, you know how much I love your friendship and you know how much it means to me. In the end though, sneakers are more than just sneakers. They mean a lot to other people. And when we complain every single week, and I'm guilty of that, don't think that I'm immune to any type of blame here. But when we complain about not getting shoes because they don't make enough of them, it's a privilege to even be in a position to go after them. If you think about how many shoes come out on a weekly basis over the course of a calendar year, and just think about last episode over the course of 16 minutes, I named what, like two dozen shoes? At nearly $200 a shoe on average, if you take all the shoes that come out throughout the course of the year, think about how much money that is. Think about being able to throw $200 two dozen times at something like shoes. Shoes are really inconsequential as the item themselves. When they're in your hand, it's just a material item. But what I'm trying to tell you here and what I'm trying to learn here too through all this research is that these material pieces that are in front of you that really are just a conglomerate of stitching and materials and rubber, they can tell a big story. They can have a true meaning to somebody else. And over the course of history, from the first sneaker to any of the Air Jordans that come out now, so many of them have been involved in some of the biggest and most influential moments in our human history. Human history is going to trump sneakers 100%. And so when you sit back and think about the privilege that it is to be able to go after these sneakers, maybe then take half a second to think about what sneakers have done to society in both good ways and bad ways. Sneakers have had a very positive influence on society. There is a lot of connection and community building that takes place around sneakers. All of that is really, really great. But throughout the course of our human history, especially here in the States, they have been associated with class warfare. And class warfare, the haves versus the have-nots, that happens today. Maybe you aren't privy to it. Maybe you're a have. And if you're a have, good for you. I'm not here to pass judgment. But maybe there are a lot of people who listen to this show because they are have-not and they want to be better or be in a better position of where they are. Your life can always be improved. You can always want more. And we always are going to want more. And we always want more sneakers. There's nothing wrong with that. But just put a little perspective on it, that the next time you have $200 to throw at a shoe, think about the people that don't have $200 to spend on food, to spend on something that they need. And it's always going to be that way. 
and sneakers are always going to be in this cyclical wave-like relationship with social justice, with political movements, with positive and negative connotations. It's just always going to be that way. In the end though, sneakers are a good thing. It's just always important to remember the history. A question that I have for you, is there a sneaker that has come out or is out that has an emotional connection for you that maybe is representative of something, a political movement or a cultural element of your life that you will always remember? Reach out to the show on Instagram. The handle is at firefootwearpod. If you want to find us on Facebook, Firefootwear Sneaker Podcast is what you want to search. If you want to find me personally on Twitter, at Maddie Ice Freights is the handle. If you have any questions or comments for the show, both positive or negative, firefootwearpod at gmail.com is the email to do that. If you are listening on Apple or Spotify, please hit that follow button. Please give us a rating. It just keeps the show growing. And the more people that come on board, the more connection that I can make. It just makes me happy and makes me want to keep putting out content. I hope that this finds you well, as always. I hope that this finds you safe. Hope that you have a great rest of your week. And I will talk to you next week. This is Fire Footwear. The opinions and viewpoints expressed on Fire Footwear are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Fire Footwear is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.